Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. It's the BWI Live Post Game Show. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Welcome to our analysis of slop. I, I don't know a better way to put what we just witnessed than than that. Uh, Sean Fitz called that one early in the week, saying that it was going to be a slog uh, for this game. And slog, sloppy, any of those that you want to call what happened just now for Penn State football, yeah, it was all of those. So we'll we'll give you some analysis. I don't know how you analyze 58 runs for 220 yards, though. Like, truthfully, I, I don't actually know how to encapsulate what just happened other than it just happened. <laughs> um, I, I'll say this. We'll start here. Penn State, I think, at one point in the second half, the game plan was no longer the game plan. The game plan was to shorten the game and get out of here. Did they want to score another touchdown? Did they want to make it 24 to 7 and make it a comfortable lead? Um, yeah. Yes, they did. But that was not happening for them. And uh, I'm seeing a lot of so D- Dave, y- you you nailed it here. Uh Dave Omer says this is ugly. Uh, just ugly is all he says. Uh Dan says, are we really going to be a top 10 team after that game? Don. The rain did play a factor. The rain played a factor and the field conditions played a factor. Now, I didn't see a ton of people slipping, but we'll get into some of the reasons that the uh, the field and, and kind of just the situation of playing in a rainstorm, playing in the remnants of a hurricane uh, definitely affected this game. And it's not an excuse. I'll explain why that was a particular thing in this game. But 58 carries for 220 yards. I see a lot of uh, Sean Clifford in the, in the comments here um, that Sean Clifford is <laughs> just go here. Sean Clifford is not a good QB. Sean Clifford was 10 of 20 for 140 yards, a touchdown and an interception. He was largely a passenger in this game. Penn State had 360 yards um, and they averaged 3.8 yards per rush on 58 carries. Like, um, there's there's not a lot going on in this game, but we'll get to that here in just a second. The one thing I want to do, though, is I want to say 
If you're watching the show, make sure you give the video a like because that helps us spread the word that we're talking about Penn State football and that you have an option in Penn State post-game shows because it goes on to the next game on TV, right? You might have a local post-game show, maybe, but we are your post-game show center. We're talking about the game, giving you breakdowns. We'll have James Franklin's press conference here on YouTube. Blue White Illustrated on YouTube is your hub for Penn State football coverage post-game. So if you're liking the video, if you're watching the video, please give the video a like and tell your friends about it. And of course, if you're listening on the post-game show on the recap, make sure you download our uh, our uh, our podcast. Make sure you subscribe there as well. Penn State was trying to get their athletes on the edge of the defense. That was the whole game today. That was the entire game plan, in my opinion, from what I saw. Now, of course, you can't do that 100% of the time, but the Nittany Lions knew that Northwestern's defense was not fast. And they've seen on film that team get gashed by, by offenses that used space and cutback lanes to create chunk plays. And early in the game, they were getting there. Nick Singleton had a, had a great run up the middle for, uh, I believe it was 20 yards. It was as long, uh, 19 yards for about 19 yards. They were getting there. They were getting there. They were getting there. And then they kept fumbling the football and it kept raining. And um, at a certain point, they didn't score anything. They didn't score any points when they were doing that. So it gives the Wildcats time to adjust. Penn State went heavy into their counter and outside zone. Now, when you run 58 runs, it's not going to come out to look like that because they ran everything today. They ran man, inside zone, power, counter, all of it. Um, but the game plan early on was cutbacks and trying to get Nick Singleton to the edge once again. But in this situation, you just need to get athletes in space that that uh, jet sweep to Parker Washington. This defense didn't do well over the first four weeks of the season when you got them running sideline to sideline. But like I said, to start out the show, if the track is soggy, speed doesn't come through as much. So the game script suddenly switched into Northwestern's favor, where you had uh, a slog, just just a, just a slobber knocker. That was an old school Big Ten slobber knocker. In 15 years, you're going to look back at this game and you're going to remember it and you're going to be like, ah, remember when they ran the ball 58 times and they shoved it down Northwestern's throat and they won in the rain. And it was the hur hurricane remnants and all that stuff. Because that's what I've been told about Penn State football from some of the older mem members of our viewing audience about stuff that happened 20 years ago. That that is now glorified. It's just an old school game today because the weather affected the game and it created a situation where Penn State's speed was a bit negated enough to the point that their plan of attack coming in couldn't get going. And Sean Clifford, the wet ball, and the decision making all came together. And 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 the wide open throw to Parker Washington. Let's let's go to both throws to Parker Washington, the good one and then the bad one. So all this week or, or late this week on on the BWI live uh, BWI Daily Edition, excuse me, on Friday, I talked about Northwestern's interesting defense how they keep four guys deep, right? And it's kind of a match zone where the safeties will run with the slot receiver. So you kind of got this double team on the first level and then the second level. But if you give quarterbacks time, you run a, a good route combination, you can get somebody open deep there because you got a safety against Parker Washington and they don't keep a guy in the middle of the field. They let the route dictate where the, the safeties go in a lot of situations. So they run Parker Washington on a deep crosser. They finally get that play and it was a 33-yard gain. If there had been better conditions today, I think that would have been a bigger part of the game plan. But all the turnovers <laughs> created a situation where they, I think, got a little conservative. And I don't necessarily blame them because the running game was working enough. The The averages that you're going to see post-game of 3.8 yards per carry, that includes kneel downs, and that includes Sean Clifford, um, who actually, I don't, did he get sacked in this game? Uh, I, he might've gotten sacked once in this game. So they were able to run the ball effectively. All three of their running backs averaged over four yards a carry. That is how this particular game went, that it just became grinded out because the passing game wasn't going to get going in the second half with a, with a rough sort of situation, uh, with the quarterback 
being a little bit erratic today, bad Sean Clifford. But largely, this game was about the fumbles. They turned the ball over, and I had a whole thing written about Kevon Lee coming into the game after sitting for the first half for whatever reason, which we'll hear about in James Franklin's post-game press conference, um, and, and him being the player of the game because he didn't fumble. And then he fumbled. <laughs> they had to recycle benched running backs in this game. That's the situation it was. Uh, what was it? Six, five fumbles, five turnovers in the game. Nick Singleton had three fumbles. One of them was not called because he was the forward progress was stopped. That situation that could have been devastating if they had got, gotten that situation. And obviously um, that particular situation with the, with the running game was a double-edged sword today because it worked. It got you through this game, but really what got you through this game was the Penn State defense. Got to get to some of your questions, some of your comments here. Thanks to everybody who donated to the channel. If you want to be like John, you don't have to, but we're talking to everybody today. Uh, I will be getting to your uh, super chat questions if you send them. We are not beating Michigan with Cliff as QB. Um, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Now, I, I don't disagree with that, but I think we'll I think we'll see. Uh, truthfully, I think that's going to be the. First off, I don't know anything concrete about Michigan just yet, but the impression coming away from this game, I don't think should be Sean Clifford was so bad. I think it should be, holy cow, how did you fumble the ball that many times and still win? And the point is, Ryan Helinski, for whatever you feel about Sean Clifford, is a worse quarterback. He completed 41% of his passes. Uh, he threw. He should have thrown multiple interceptions in this game. I was a little annoyed that uh, both Marquise Wilson and Keaton Ellis were not paying attention when the ball hit him in the head because they could have had a pick six, and I called that coming in this game. It didn't happen. That was a huge bummer. Uh, Nathan says, hashtag slop. Yeah, yeah, slop. That's what it was. Uh, running backs need to learn to cover the ball with two hands. That is clear. You would, you know, and I don't know. Here's the funny thing, Ben. We get to see roughly 15, 20 minutes of practice every Wednesday. Every single Wednesday, they work on ball security drills. I, I can, I can tell you in my sleep what the drills are going to be. I can tell you what it sounds like when they start them. It, it's just one of those things where, you know, hashtag slop, go back to that. And also like, you know, freshman running backs. And I know Kevon Lee had a fumble too, but freshman running backs are, are freshmen. And that is something they will learn. But it's just, you know, for people who want to say coaching and stuff like that, I just want to hedge off at the pass. They work on ball security every week. It is not something that they're like light on at any point. It's just that this particular game, and if you look at, at Northwestern where they had those ball security issues, they, they couldn't catch the football. They kept dropping the ball. The ball went through people's hands. Helinski was throwing high for a lot of these situations. Uh, Jeff says, donating the gold amount today, hoping that it gives us better luck against the maze and blue. It's amazing how quickly we turn the page. Like literally the game just happened and everyone's already looking at Michigan because it is such an important game. Penn State's 5-0. They go into the most important three-game stretch of the season. And people, I don't think, feel super comfortable with this offense, kind of the way they felt last season. I do think it's better because this is a game they would have lost last year. They did lose this game last year. Sean Clifford had a similar situation, a similar game to the Illinois game. But the Penn State defense was better, way better against the run. They allowed 1.1 yard per carry. They allowed one yard per carry, 28 carries for 31 yards. That was the what I expected coming into this game is Penn State's defense was going to be overwhelming. Uh, and they were. There were a couple of drives. The, the quick passing game was there as well. Um, and we'll break that down in the film study because that's always hard to tell. For example, Abdul Carter, was that his guy for the interception or was that Marquise Wilson? Certainly looked like every single other defender was in zone coverage and Marquise Wilson dies on the shallow crosser with his man. But again, we got to go back to the film and study that and look at that one. Um, but overall, the Penn State defense was suffocating in this game because they should be. That Northwestern offense had very little speed and they had very little ways to win. Uh, we got a Stephen Light says we fumbled and fumbled, but we got bad cliff and we still won. Yep. 
that's I think that's the difference in this team is that the offensive line is better. The tight ends are playing better and the running backs are clearly better. Even with all the fumbles, they were the story of the game on offense. Uh, 87 yards and 86 yards for Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. 21 carries a piece. This is the game script that gets everyone the football except for the receivers. Bretton Strange had another good game, a good blocker in a lot of situations. Kind of lost track of him in the second half. Uh, to give you a full evaluation, but first impression, he was very good as well. Kenneth says Singleton rightfully benched, but Clifford was not great. I have one. Uh, I've seen one good long pass. What does it take to bring Aller in? Blowouts. <laughs> you know, if if they had put up 21, 24 points in the first half, you might have seen Drew Aller at some point, but they didn't because what we talked about, they couldn't get their athletes to the edge. They couldn't get their athletes to stop fumbling the ball and they couldn't get any of those explosive plays that this defense could give you is an interesting defense that worked today uh, because of the weather. It just, uh, there was very little pressure on Sean Clifford. If they had been able to throw the football or been a little bit more confident in their throwing of the football, I think that would have been a game. You saw more plays from the secondary and that big, the, the, the deep passing game come through so far. I believe off the top of my head, Sean Clifford was one for two on deep passes, the the painful overthrow to Mitchell Tinsley, and then, of course, the big pass to Parker Washington that was complete. So that's actually better than he's been all season. I think that brings him now, and again, I apologize. I'm doing this quick math in my head, three for 17 on the season on deep passes. So that is going to be the part of this game, the part of the season that I think is going to determine how this team goes through the next three game stretch. Can they get enough balance on offense to be able to go toe to toe with these other teams where they can hit some deep balls and they can back some teams off? Cause that's the other thing. Northwestern's defense plays into this particular game. Not only do they, when they, when they keep those safeties deep and they kind of play that cover four shell, one safety is always eight yards off the ball or is regularly eight yards off the ball. So they're trying to, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. play soft coverage, keep you out of the deep passing game, but also keep a guy in the run game. And because it was sloppy, they played three linebackers and Penn state was still able to run the ball for like three true linebackers. The, the, the dream of what Penn state fans want out on the field for the Nittany lines, three linebackers. I think they all had neck rolls and they still lost 17 to seven and they still gave up 220 yards on the ground. David says whether or not an excuse for four fumbles needed to throw short passes more to keep the defense on us, more questionable play calls on certain downs. I'm always, so this is the thing when it comes to the play calls on given situations, there are so many plays in this game. Penn state ran 78 plays and I'm kind of trying to keep track of all of them. So I'm the, the last person to come to when you want to talk about individual play calls in certain situations. Uh, the, the full house backfield worked. That's what I took away from the fourth quarter. Cause they were able to grind out the clock in the four minute offense. Um, some of those third, third down situations, I tend to agree with you. Uh, the singleton runs early in the game. They were playing into the hand of the Northwestern, uh, the, the Northwestern defense. But at the, at the same time, it was kind of, they played to the weather. This game reminded me of the. Uh, Michigan State game from last season where you had a defense that was so bad at stopping pa the passing game and yet you didn't feel confident taking advantage of it because your receivers if they slip you're throwing the ball to the other team and today was wet the ball was wet Sean Clifford doesn't seem to have very strong grip on the football there are a lot of balls that were sailing on him today and I think that's because he couldn't grip and drive the football so do you want to risk another turnover? The funny thing is I'm telling you about the turnovers uh, being a question about this team, and they, they fumbled the ball like a thousand times. But David, thank you for uh, the donation to the channel. Uh, a lot of people coming back through. Uh, Don, thank you so much. Um, I'll try to uh, appreciate you donating to the channel. I think we got to your comment earlier uh, in the day. Let's talk to Pete here. He says, for whatever reason, the fumbles didn't drive me that nuts. They're freshmen. They'll learn. What drove me nuts was Clifford, who couldn't step up. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is certainly a certain amount of that in. in. There's a certain. The, the, what we didn't get to. 
And I apologize for the extemporaneous conversation and shifting right away from the other Parker Washington pass. Why is he hopping in the pocket? So there's a little bit of pressure. Uh, There's pressure from his backside, from his left side. I believe it was the guard. And instead of stepping into the throw, instead of taking a sidestep, whatever you need to do, he just, he, he, he hopped and threw the football. And like we've seen quarterbacks do that and you go, that's nuts. But we're talking about Brett Favre and Patrick Mahomes and guys like that. That's not the quarterback arm we're talking about here. So throwing from that platform, of course he one hopped it to the open receiver. Pocket mobility, pocket presence, all of those things. This is the conversation I had about the 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 Central Michigan game afterwards in my film study because I came on here and I said, I don't know what it is, but there was just something very disjointed about this game. I was having a hard time getting a read on it. And the guards were the weak link last week. They were giving up some pressures, but they were not terrible pressures. There were a couple bad ones. But overall, you know, they were giving him a, a, an avenue and a lane to step up. But when he got pressure in his face, bad Sean Clifford showed up in the second quarter of the Central Michigan game. And that was the issue today on the limited amount of attempts he, that he had. And that's the thing is like, I, I'm remembering 60 runs. I am having a hard time remembering any of the Sean Clifford passes. And I don't want to overreact to a couple of bad ones at the end. But I came away with a general... uh feeling that you did as well, especially with the interception. Dan Orlovsky on, on the, uh, on the broadcast pointed out that Harrison Wallace, he didn't think that was a good route. I'll defer to the former NFL quarterback, uh, on that one, as far as what he thought of that play, but it looks on its surface, like another, another Sean Clifford overthrow on a rollout. And that was another part of the game that I think for Penn state, they, I think they were probably a little surprised didn't work today. Because if you have as much success as you do running the football, the play-action passing game was not there today. It was not functioning. That interception was on play-action rollout. That was very effective last week, uh, and it did not continue. It did not continue this week, and uh, part of it is, again, I'm going to go back to the rain and the ability to to get to the spot and to be faster than the other the other opponent. But the other thing is, you know, a zone defense and, and a, this is an area I'm going to have to go back and check out what exactly happened on these plays. But just my, my, my suspicion is Northwestern was in position a lot of times because they were playing zone and they were looking at guys in Clifford's face on the rollout. They had two guys at times on that naked where he's, he's trying to roll out of the pocket and there's pressure immediately in his face. So that part of the playbook this week kind of shut down and it became, we got to play from the pocket. And, and this week, can't play from the pocket. So my thought was, in this game, by the way, talking about Sean Clifford, and if Penn State was able to get Nick Singleton going, get some explosive runs, maybe rip off a 50-yard touchdown, that um, you might see the deep passing game open up when Drew Aller came into the game because he throws a better deep ball. <laughs> and if they were, if Drew Aller had gotten in the game, and this is total speculation, and this is probably super unfair, but it would have been, they would have covered because he would have been able to throw a touchdown in that situation. And uh, because he's just, he, he's shown already that he's got a better touch on his deep ball. Now, some of them have not been good. It's not perfect, but I mean, that stroke is pure. Uh, so we got David here says, why on God's greener did Mike Yersich uh, not get to the receivers of the ball in spades, pitches, sweeps, screens, um, more calls like that strange touchdown, please. Now, Part of it, and this is kind of what I saw coming into this game, is that Northwestern is waiting for those things. The way they play their defense is, sure, they've got that that off coverage, but their underneath defenders basically never leave the underneath routes. And when you've got those guys sitting there and squatting on things and anticipating, they're trying to take away the running game and the short game while keeping a fence on the deep ball. and. With the situation today, I just that probably wasn't in the game plan as much because schematically they rotate down into those things. I think they they're looking to clean up things in the flat. That's kind of what this defense is trying to take away. And uh, it worked today. And it that was not part. It might not have just it just might not have been a part of the game plan. 
is, is what I'm trying to say is based on film going into the game. That's why you wouldn't do that. So Larry says PSU owned uh, the line of scrimmage, 220 yards to Northwestern's 35 yards of rushing. Yeah, they did. And on defense, by the way, a couple of guys played pretty well that we talked about coming into this game. I said yesterday, deny Dennis Sutton has earned more playing time by uh, dominating the garbage time in the last couple of weeks. At one point, he stood up Peter Skaronsky in, in, in the hole. Like he walked him back a little bit and closed the C gap. So they were dominant on the line of scrimmage. They were able to get on the other side of the, uh, the ball because they knew what Northwestern was going to try and do. Evan Hall had 11 carries for 45 yards and uh, 29 of them came on one run. They were able to get in the backfield. This is what I was talking about when I said Penn State can shut down this run game because they have the schemes and the players to shut down and inside the inside the gaps, you know, from A to A gap to C gap. They have the guys to shut that down. You're going to have to do something to them to make them out of gap. And that's actually one I want. This brings me to um, this brings me to one of the areas that I think when we talk about the short passing, that was an issue today and Penn state struggled communicating pre-snap. And I don't know why that is because a lot of these players were on the field that have been on the field together. Tyler Elsden and uh, Abdul Carter had an issue communicating before the snap on who was supposed to be where at one point. Uh, then you had Kobe King and Jonathan Sutherland had a communication issue. Again, these are all off the top of my head. I have to go back and see all of the stuff that's going on, but they did not communicate well today. And that left some voids and zones that left a little bit of you're not paying attention at the snap. You're not looking, you're not dialed in to know what's going on there. And, and that led to a little bit of the leakage in, in the passing game and in the short passing game. So something, um, something to keep in mind going forward with as many players as they're rotating in at that point, including Charlie catcher who got into the game, for, I believe for the first time this year. So those linebackers, Abdul Carter, I, the freshmen kind of played like freshmen today. I think that's one of the major things I took away as well. Then I did a sudden with the roughing the passer because he tried to, uh, <laughs> he just, he leapt on the guy's back and dragged him down by his head. That's, that's a penalty. If you're a Penn State fan and you're mad about that, like you're not being objective to reality. Abdul Carter getting in a, a five yard penalty that extended a drive. Both freshmen fumbling multiple times. So all of the main contributors finally had their their freshman moments and they came in a game where it didn't hurt them. Truthfully, even on that drive where Penn State was able to uh, extended the drive with 20 yards of penalties. They still stopped him on a fourth down play. Now, you don't want to be there, right? Because, again, I can hear you saying right now, coming up in two weeks, if you let Michigan down to the goal line, they're going to punch that in. And I agree. I, you know, I, you know, it's it. not only is it really hard to stop a quarterback sneak, it's just it's a half yard half most of the time. Uh, it's also not the strength of this team. P.J. Mustafer is one guy. And he's still working his way back from that injury from a physical strength standpoint. He had a couple of plays, though, that were super fun to watch because he he uh, on the on the one of those tackles for loss where Penn State got Abdul Carter into the backfield and Chop Robinson into the backfield at near the goal line. I think it was near the student section. Manny Diaz is psychotic. He took his nose tackle and sent him two gaps over and then run blitzed everybody the other way. And it left the left guard for Northwestern on his face in the mud because PJ was so quick to get out of the way. He swam the guy, the guy fell over and there was a giant gap for the linebackers to run through. So uh, not there. I don't think from a taking on double team standpoint, but he is there from his hands are quick. He's quick. You know, his, his get off at the snap. That's all the same as it was last year. But in those goal line situations, Penn State's got one PJ Mustafer, and I don't know that they got a bunch of guys that are going to stop a, a quarterback sneak the rest of the season. But we're talking about one play, one small situation. But I, I think it's going to come up again. Mike says, I'm okay. Uh, now we roll. Every team needs a story. Yeah. Yep. Mike's okay with the loss uh, or with the win today in the certain situations that you have. Matt says, hope this, bring, uh, this brings the blood pressure down. Can't hurt. 
Um, the win, you donating to the channel or the post game talk. That's what I, I don't, I appreciate, but I'm not quite sure exactly what you mean about, uh, about, by bringing the blood pressure down. Uh, I feel great other than I drank all my water and I did not refill my water bottle. I'd pick it up, but I might fumble it based on what we saw today. Nathan says, T Frank, thanks for the solo coverage every Saturday. I appreciate you saying that. I am not solo here, though, because you guys are my co-host. Tom Hannafin, who is my co-host, he is coming back for October. So he'll be back here on the show and we'll get uh, we'll get things rolling. But with uh, 350, 360 co-hosts, I, I can't screw this up other than if I, you know, somehow turn my mic off. I have done that before, by the way, where I've been talking and now I'm paranoid about it. Now that I said it like, oh, gosh, you've been hearing me the entire time. So clearly that's not happening. But <laughs> the paranoia is real in those situations. Um, but yeah, if you're liking if you're watching the video, please like it. Help us spread the word that we're doing the postgame show here. We get we get great participation from you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, but I just want to make sure that everyone knows about the show because we are one of the fastest growing YouTube channels that covers college football. We are the the main YouTube channel for Penn State sports. But, you know, there's 100,000 people who go to the Penn State football games. We don't have 100,000 people watching the, the channel. We don't have 100,000 subscribers. So there's more people that don't know about us than do. And your help there would be amazing. So Eli says October equals just how bad good Penn State is. It's amazing that you can get out of the month of September playing two power five teams. One of them that people thought was pretty good at one point with Purdue. Like I can actually just trail off there and not tell you if it was Purdue or Auburn, you know, people thought Purdue was pretty good coming into the season, get into a tight game there, play another power five sec team with them in their stadium on the road. And you can leave September and the first game of October and go, Oh, is this team good? We're going <laughs> to we're going to find out cuz they're going to play two top 5 teams in 3 weeks and Minnesota who lost to Purdue. So, I don't know. What's Sean Clifford to showing up that day? And that's that's matchup driven. Is Landon Tangwall going to be able to hold up at the point of attack in pass protection? Um are you going to be able to get that play action game going? Are you going to be able to help him out in these things because Really, the last couple of games, he this is this is reverted to the 2019 formula with Journey Brown and Noah Kane and that offensive line. Sean Clifford is a vehicle operator. He is a passenger on the train. Now he's the conductor, but he is not the engine that's driving this thing. So he needs to continue that and get timely good plays from him. And I just I, I do think that this team can get there. But some things need to change. Olu Fashanu uh, did not have a good day in run blocking uh, as a run blocker. He's a very good pass protector, but I think he's still learning that area as a run blocker. All the tools are there, but he just needs to be, honestly, maybe just be a little bit older. I was doing some investigation because he's seen as this top five pick. And uh, hold on, one, <laughs> hold on just one second. This is super embarrassing. Uh, my camera just died. So let me get you here on uh, the BWI Daily Edition, the BWI Live Show. Get my face back on the screen. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Let's see if that worked. There we go! Okay. Appreciate you guys. This is live television. Sometimes that happens when you're trying to do two things at once. You forget to change the core, the uh, battery on the camera when you're going into the game. Um, Nathan says, how about Brenton Strange? Again, uh, touchdown today, some timely run blocking. He is turning into everything that Penn State hoped he would be as a player. The question is, in their two tight end sets, is Theo Johnson going to be a good enough run blocker? I did not get a good look at him today. I did not notice him. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was my fumble on the play. Absolutely. Uh, the problem is 
unlike Penn State, there's not three of me here, so I can't go to the bench. You're stuck with me. Uh, you're not going to be recycling uh, running backs here on the show, so I'm going to be I'm going to be taking the ball the rest of the way. Hopefully, we don't get any fumbles because uh, I don't know if we'll win the game if that happens. But uh, yeah, Brenton Strange. Back to Brenton Strange. How how about Brenton Strange? He has been everything they need from him, and honestly, a part of why the run game has worked. Part of this conversation about they've taken a step forward as an offensive line and, and a lot of the, the gains on the ground come on counter plays or where he's a lead blocker, but they need that second tight end because a lot of their success has come from those condensed formations, two tight end sets. Bryce Efner is playing half the time at right tackle. So you can't always get him in there as your third tight end or as, you know, a second tight end, if you want to go jumbo and with Tyler Warren and, Theo Johnson, both working through some injuries. That's going to be a, a big part of their running game is keeping Brenton strange upright, keeping him a part of the team and then finding who's going to be that second tight end because those, those formations have been really effective. Um, so we have to see, okay. I don't normally do this. I don't normally give uh, things when people ask them for it, but he, you did say, please football. God 77 says, can I have a shout out please? So yeah, there you go. You can have a shout out. You said, please. And I appreciate politeness here on the show. Brendan strange is my September MVP. He was for me as well, especially on the offensive side of the ball. He was absolutely the MVP considering the running backs, right? Considering the freshmen and appreciating their spot. But I don't think they have that success without Brenton Strange as the run blocker and his his ability to break tackles and make big plays also has been a huge part of the passing offense. So I agree with you. He was my he was my MVP of the offense. He was the number one player that had stock up coming in, out of the month of September. Uh, the freshman running backs were number five. And uh, I think that they kind of they stayed level. Maybe they dipped a little bit after this game, but still they were the engine that drove everything today. Peter says, sitting a running back who fumbles doesn't make sense. Get him back out there. Keep confidence up. You don't sit a QB who throws a pick. Sometimes you do. Uh, sometimes you sit a QB who throws a pick. But um, when he fumbles three times, I was fine with that. They sat him down after the first fumble. They brought in Kevon Lee. I think he fumbled at that point. And then they brought Singleton back, and he fumbled again. Like, at a certain point... That player is now actively hurting you despite how talented he is because possessions in this game were critical because th th despite the fact that they kept giving each other the football, the number of scoring opportunities was super low. So you need to have as many scoring opportunities as possible and you can't if you keep giving them the, the, the ball to the other team. So I agree. Sorry, excuse me. I agree with you on the whole. Like if if a guy who's been very careful with the football throughout his career. And you have this like zero tolerance policy about fumbles. I agree with you there, but when you fumble three times and then another guy fumbles and then somebody else fumbles again, at a certain point you do have to put your foot down and say, I don't know, maybe we're running tank Smith today because you gotta, you've got to be able to keep your hands on the football and not give Northwestern the opportunity to get back in this game. Cause that's what this get. This game was all about. Northwestern and this game playing into their games, their game script of everything was downhill. Everything was between the tackles counter to the outside. And one of the things that I thought they got a little bit too stuck on was they would run those counters. And then a big part of what Northwest Northwestern does is they over pursue. They overset, meaning there's a, there's a cutback lane, but they're not over pursuing in this game because everyone's running through mud Everybody is slow, so there's no need to to over pursue because they haven't been beaten enough times to the front side. And then as the game wore on, they tried to cut back a lot of times, and that's where they were running into one yard gain and one yard gain. Maybe you run ahead for three. So that was um that was an issue as the game wore on, but that again goes back to your game script. El Guapo giving us a, a donation here to the channel. So thank you so much to that. Uh, you got any questions? You got anything you want to talk about? I we're here on the BWI Live post game show. Thirty six minutes into a seventeen to seven breakdown uh, of of what we saw today. I'll throw up the stats here so that everyone can see kind of how this game went, and I'll you know uh, explain why I'm kind of where I am with a lot of this stuff. So here we go. 
Here's the official game book. And Penn State ran the ball 58 times. So what I'm talking about, they ran the ball. They were doing these schemes. They, were do- they did everything. But after a certain point, if you do something 58 times, th- your returns are way, way lower. Like, you're just not going to get there. Penn State held on the ball for 37 minutes, and the defense allowed exactly 1.1 yards per rush. The story today is the defense was dominant, and I know a lot of fans were worried about uh, the size of this team and their ability to stop the run. And this was one of the best offensive lines they were going to see in terms of sound run blockers, strong physical players in a game that should have featured them. And they were overmatched and overwhelmed. Let's, let's talk about that. Overwhelmed by everyone from Hakeem Beeman to PJ Mustafer and the defensive ends. Chop Robinson had another great game, uh, timely, pressure on interceptions and broken up passes. Kalen King was great again. Joey Porter Jr. was great again. I'd say there were a couple of issues for the passing game, and we can talk about that here, in that uh, they were still able to get... This is the thing. They were still able to get 210 yards passing. Now, that's on 37 attempts, and it was not really an efficient way about doing things, but a couple of players, once again, struggled. Daquan Hardy struggled again. Uh, And again, communication issues and breakdowns and assignments were what concerns me. Sometimes you're going to get beat and he's struggling this year, I think with confidence. So hopefully he is, he's a really talented player. Hopefully he can work through that issue. But right now teams are targeting him in third down situations and he needs to come up with a play to get his confidence back is kind of what I think. And then Marquise Wilson struggled in this game and they played him a lot. I did not see a lot of Joey Porter Jr. early in the game. So a lot of these guys, uh, another situation of Penn State playing depth, rotating at the position and uh, in this game, not starting and playing all of their starters the entire game. That's that actually is a good thing. Let's look at how many defenders played for the Nittany Lions. And it looks like we're once again upwards near 20 or at least uh, in the high teens. So Penn State Throwing a lot of guys out there, rotating. Keaton Ellis, Abdul Carter, Kalen King, Keen Beeman. Like I said, even Charlie Catcher got in the game. We hadn't seen him so far this season. Ken says, Kenneth Coral says, 5-0 and into the bye week. Who honestly thought that'd be the case in August? With two Power 5 games, and you still, like we said, Ken, went into this game going, okay, Penn State should blow out Northwestern. And that's why the rain was a real bummer, because... We, I don't think, I, I did not get an evaluation of what I wanted to see. What I wanted to see was, could they get the ball down the field against the secondary that had been susceptible to explosive plays? Could they take a step there? And we only got to see it a handful of times, and it was inconclusive. Parker Washington got open deep. So it's so there's another thing. We've talked about Parker Washington as a slot receiver, underneath guy. He can run routes, and, and does he have the speed? He's not really a deep receiver. Well, you throw him the ball deep on a deep crosser and he beats the guy by two or three steps. Yeah, he can get some deep passes, but you got to throw him the ball in the right situations. Mitchell Tinsley, can he create explosive plays? People were, you know, I've, I've been critical of this, this secondary of not getting open. He got wide open. Pass was incomplete. So I wanted to see more of that to say if this, see if this offense could take a step in the right direction in that area. Losing Keandre Lambert-Smith is also a big part of the conversation today and is going to be a huge part of the conversation going forward because he was the most consistent player of that group. I don't think Harrison Wallace had a particularly great day today. So you finally got to see Malik Mega in the game. That third receiver spot, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, again, we we didn't really get a lot of evidence that that is going to be a strength of the team, which comes back to then more evidence, uh, more emphasis on the ground game. And did we learn if Penn State can complete deep shots or enough of them to create balance in the offense? Because they got away with not being balanced. They got away with being predictable and running into bad looks and running into the strength of the team they were playing. But the strength that there are not a lot of strengths that uh, for Northwestern and, and not not to be rude, but they're bad at football. Like that's such a crappy thing to say. But that was the that's what happened today. That's the evidence. They ran the ball fifty eight times, pretty much straight ahead, and they were still able to, still able to win the football game. Smitty says, "Great show, thank you so much, my guy. Really appreciate that." Uh, can't figure out how to toss you a hundred. <laughs> 
El Guapo's feeling good today. Apparently, he bet the under. If you were, if you put a lot of money on the under, you're trying to give us a hundo, man. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll encourage you to keep trying. I will stay on the air until you figure it out, my guy. If you're trying to toss me a hundred, I think you just keep adding zeros. Uh, Nathan says, compare Evan and Blake Corum, Evan Hall and Blake Corum. I don't know that there is a comparison because Blake, Blake Corum is excellent. Evan Hall is good. So maybe comparatively, they're both stocky running backs, but one of them is unbelievably explosive. The other one's a good, quick, athletic, fast football player. But Blake Corum is, is just, you know, is a different level of strength, speed, agility, burst. That's going to be a thing. You know, can they stop that guy? Can can teams do to Penn State what Penn State has done to them? Um, that's going to be a question is can can somebody get to the outside on this defense? A couple of times Northwestern almost got there and then the player fell down. Porter on a wildcat play had a, had the edge. Uh, I think it was um, Elsden did not fill on the backside to get contained and 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 they got away with it because. They fell down. The guy fell down. Um, this is this is what I was saying. Brian with a Y says, did Lambert play after getting hurt on the first drive? I don't think he did. I did not see him the rest of the game. So that third receiver position is, is getting thin, and they've got to figure something out in the bye week. Now, obviously, if Lambert Smith can come back, they have the extra week. Um, but we did not get a conclusive read on if there's been any progress there, which leads us to think maybe that there isn't. So I don't think they're going to get good looks like this Northwestern game to work on it going forward because, you know, Michigan's defense is sound. Um, again, I haven't done a lot of work on them, but we have to see kind of what they're, what they're, uh, what they're going to be coming up. Now I've seen a little bit of them. I'm not as, I don't think that they're as intimidating offensively. As some people might think, they've got a couple of good players, but Penn State's gonna might be their, I don't know their schedule before them, but Penn State might be one of their best tests of the season as well. So that works both ways where you you play a scrappy Maryland team and they hang with you late, then you pull away. Penn State had that game and they just didn't make it look as good because they took a knee and Catron Allen <laughs> fumbled when they were going in for points again. So the final score... Here's the deal. Once Penn State got up 14 points, the game was over. Northwestern had no chance to come back in the game. Penn State gave them every single opportunity to come back in the game, and they still couldn't. So this game is a reflection of Penn State playing sloppy and not beating a team the way that they should have. More pre-snap penalties, uh, both offensively and defensively, and and the fumbles, the turnovers, not taking care of the football. Penn State had like a plus nine or something like that in the turnover margin. That's over. <laughs> like that stat is that stat is gone. So that's this game is a reflection on the weather and Penn State not playing a good game, truthfully. But they can't get away with it in the future, which is what I think a lot of you are concerned about. Um, so I think we covered everything in the show, and everyone is. Uh, kind of going over the same stuff. So we're going to we're going to end it here. I think we're going to call it here. Thank you for everyone that has uh contributed to the BWI live post game show. Hopefully I gave you what you were looking for, even my own fumble here on the show by having a blank screen for a good 30 seconds. If you don't know terror, try being live on YouTube and have your camera die. <laughs> uh but if you're watching please like the video. If you're watching post and you're, you're watching this on replay, please like the video. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, download all that stuff. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. We will be back on Monday with our next live show Monday night to recap this game, give you the debrief. Once we've all had a chance to soak it in, be soaked by it and then ring out, dry out and give you the, the analysis of all the things that actually happened that we didn't see because football, that's the beauty of it is like, I'm giving you 10% of what happened today. There's so much more that happened and I can't wait to share it with you. $1 to sign up at bluewhiteillustrated.com where you can get all of my film analysis, uh, and all of our insider content, all the information that people are talking about in the chat. I'm not a reporter. I'm not reporting anything, but things that are happening in the chat, you would have known about that. If you were in the BWI message board thread, 
before the game because our excellent reporters were talking about that there. So you got to get that information from the source, and that is premium content. Sign up for $1, get 12 months of access. Okay, that'll do it for today. We will talk to you on Monday. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.